0: Yes, thank you for singing amen. Good to see all of you this morning. Have any of you ever had a nightmare? Ew. They're not pleasant, are they? They trouble us. Well, in Daniel's, Daniel chapters 10 through 12, Daniel has a vision which is even more vivid than a nightmare because you're awake. But I'll tell you what, it was worse than a nightmare. What Daniel beheld was terrifying, but it was also amazing. It was an amazing and incredible experience, and we're going to learn about it today. But I'd like to tell you ahead of the story. The significance of all of it, from our perspective looking back, we find Daniel trembling. We find him falling on the ground. We find him really distraught and troubled and terribly disturbed. But when we read it, we can actually be encouraged, even inspired. Why? Well, you'll have to listen and we'll find out. But let's start off with a word of prayer. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for your love for us. As we consider that you loved us while yet sinners, that you sent your only begotten Son to die for us, O Lord Jesus, your great love demonstrated to us in your gift of yourself. And so we feel, we know we are beloved. Lord Jesus, go before us, we pray, this morning, as we look at this vision, this final vision of Daniel. May we learn from it. Help us to understand. Help us not to be overwhelmed by the detail, but help us to get the gist of it, and most importantly, that we might be encouraged and strengthened in our faith in you. And we pray in your name, amen. So you've all had nightmares. Now, let me ask another question. You don't have to raise your hand because some people may not want to admit it. Have you ever been afraid? Yeah, I would raise my hand. I sure have been afraid. Have you ever wished you could know what would happen tomorrow? I know sometimes I have, and then sometimes I don't really want to know. Daniel's final vision is amazing. And it gives us a glimpse into lots of different realities. It gives us a a glimpse of who God is in all of his glory. It gives us a glimpse into a world that normally we can't see. We call it the spirit world. Do you know there is a spirit world? There are really angels. There are really demons. There are real battles between them. And though we cannot see into that, well, very rarely is it ever seen into, because in history we do find some people, Daniel, one of them, seen into that realm. But we know it's there. And in fact, as Christians, we know that when we have conflict and problems, we can be reminded that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, you know, like each other, but really that there are principalities and powers, demonic forces, angelic forces, where there is war. Daniel learns a little bit about that, and because Daniel learns a little bit about it, he tells us about it, so we learn a little bit about it. There's something else we learn in this final vision and that is that God knows the end from the beginning. God already knows what's going to happen in the future, both from Daniel's day of what would happen in the future and our day of events that would happen in the future. The prophecies given in Daniel chapter 10, 11, and 12 begin shortly to be fulfilled after Daniel lived many of them were fulfilled and there are other prophecies that are still yet not fulfilled but you know what's incredible about it is that as we look back at the prophecies and we see that some of them were fulfilled and it's amazing how they were fulfilled we know those that haven't been fulfilled will be fulfilled and that should encourage us not only that god knows the end from the beginning but that God is sovereign. He is in control of all things, even when the great and mighty and terrible kings think that they are in charge. Remember we learned about the beasts, those kingdoms? And remember we kind of paralleled it, although those are speaking specifically of kingdoms in the past and of the great kingdom in the future of Christ. We also learn how even nowadays kingdoms are kind of like beasts, aren't they? Kings can be terrifying. In our acronym, we've been learning of Daniel. The last three chapters are, are in Daniel's faith are the I, T, and H. The I stands for introduction to the final vision, which is the introduction and, and depiction, the story of how Daniel had the vision. And then chapter 11 is terror of the king. And chapter 12 is the horror of the king. And promises of the end times. So, the last three chapters of Daniel are all one part, they're one thing. And it begins with a vision. But before we get into it, let me introduce to you some of the people that we will meet in these chapters. Daniel, first of all, you all know who he is, right? He's the prophet. We will meet a man clothed in linen. With a golden girdle, a golden belt. He is Jesus Christ. We sometimes refer to him as a theophany, which is a manifestation of God, a fancy word that means God being shown forth. The manifestation of God, a theophany, the pre incarnate, before Jesus became a man, he appeared in the form of a man, a man clothed in linen. We find an angel named Michael, who is said to be the prince of Daniel's people, the prince of Israel. He's an angel, a mighty angel. He doesn't only appear in Daniel, but we find him several times in the Bible and he's always doing work in a ministry, sometimes even warfare, in and in relation to the nation of Israel. We find someone called the prince of Persia. As we compare it and look at it and study it, we come to a conclusion that the prince of Persia is a demonic king, a demon, with whom Michael had war, with whom the man clothed in linen was withstood for a period of time. We're going to talk about that in a little while. And then we have throughout Daniel chapter 11 a whole bunch of kings. We have Kings of the north and kings of the south. The kings of the south are kings from Egypt, and the kings of the north are kings from Syria. And we learn about ancient kings, which weren't ancient in the days of Daniel. In fact, they were yet future. And we find out of how they relate to each other. And there's lots of detail in You should have received an email right as Bible hour started this morning, at least that's when I scheduled for it to be sent, which has a document for you that is an outline of Daniel chapter 11, and I'll be really candid with you, I have had to resist the, the excitement to go through this verse by verse with all of you, but I'm afraid some of you would fall asleep, so I'm not going to do that but I want you to have it because some of you I know will be excited like me about it, and actually I hope all of you will take time to actually read it because if you want to be wise men, for wise men still seek him, you will want to be able to understand these prophecies and the historical fulfillment of them. So here is just so that you know what it is. It's basically just a brief overview outline of Daniel chapter 11, the first part of it summarizing the fulfillment of it in the Kings, and then it's a parallel. So on one side of the page, you have the verses from Daniel 11, and on the other side of the page, you have a record of how that prophecy was fulfilled in history, and it's a really interesting interesting parallel and so you should all have a copy of it in your email and if you do want a printed copy i printed 10 copies that are back there at the welcome center so first come first serve but if you don't get one and you don't get the email come see me i'll get you a copy and this is really intriguing because it will help you to understand who some of these people are you might have heard of some famous people in history you ever heard of alexander the great Alexander the Great. He's never named in the Bible, but he sure is described. We already met him on that goat with the one notable horn. That notable horn was the first king of Greece, Alexander the Great. We find out here in Daniel chapter 11, prophecies again, more prophecies about Alexander the Great. Now here we're talking about Alexander the Great, and we think of Alexander the Great as this guy who lived a long, 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 long time ago. Well, when Daniel chapter 11 was written, Alexander the Great wasn't even born. And all of it is yet future. You've perhaps heard of other famous people in history, like Antiochus Epiphanes. Now, he's pretty famous this time of year because he's a monster. And you know of the holiday that's this month? Did you know there's a holiday this month that has to do with Antiochus Epiphanes? You're all thinking, huh? What's Christmas have to do with Antiochus Epiphanes? Nothing. But there's another holiday this month, Hanukkah. Hanukkah, a holiday that the Jews celebrate. In the Bible, the New Testament, it's referred to as the Feast of Dedication. The Feast of Dedication. We call it Hanukkah today. And the history of Hanukkah is never recorded in the Bible. So why am I talking about it? I said the history of Hanukkah is never recorded in the Bible. But the prophecies of Hanukkah are recorded in the Bible. We find in Daniel chapter 11, specific prophecies to the monster Antiochus Epiphanes, one of those kings of the north, and the terrible things that he did. And we also learn about the Maccabees. But we don't learn about the Maccabees. The Maccabees is a reference to a Jewish people who were called the Hammer, the Maccabees. And we don't know anything about the Maccabees, except we do. For in Daniel chapter 11, the Maccabees are prophesied and how they will interact with this king of the north, Antiochus Epiphanes. And again, these are events that are so ancient, some of us think it's boring history. I shouldn't say some of us. I don't know what I should say because I don't think it's boring history. I think it's exciting history and fascinating to learn of it, especially, you know what makes it most exciting to me? I probably could care less about Hanukkah or the Feast of Dedication, except for the fact that it's prophesied in the book of Daniel. And that fact makes me obsessed, you might say, with the history of it, because it's a fulfillment of prophecy. And when I learn about the fulfillment of prophecy, I learn that my God knows everything even what is yet to come. And you know what that does for me? That encourages me, that strengthens me to know that in Him I can trust. I can hope in Him because He is sovereign and not only does He know the future from the beginning, but He orchestrates all of the events together to accomplish His will in the kingdom of men. What's been the theme of the book of Daniel is that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. Daniel hears about some of these kings and he just trembles. He's just terrified. He is horrified. And some of you might be too. But in all the end of it, there is great hope in the Most High God some other famous people. I wonder in your school, have you ever heard of a famous lady called Cleopatra? You ever heard of her? Yeah. Some of you have heard of her. You might think, ooh, what's she? she's in the Bible? Well, she's not in the history of the Bible, but she's in the prophecy of the Bible. She's actually referenced here in Daniel chapter 11, and events of her are prophesied by Daniel. So would you read in your history books you could read in Daniel chapter 11 the prophecy of who these people are. And there's a lot of them. Have you read in the book of Revelation about the Antichrist? The Antichrist? You know, we don't meet the Antichrist for the first time in the New Testament. The first time we meet the Antichrist is in the Old Testament. And where a lot of the details are given about him are in the book of Daniel lots of fascinating history there but in all of it let's remember our god let's remember our god we're not going to take a lot of time to go through daniel chapter 11 that's the main reason i'm making this resource available to you because i want you to do it it's kind of a little complicated but that makes it all the more fun and i encourage you to take the time to look through this outline this was done actually put together by my dad way back in 1982, you know, just before I was born, so you wonder why I got it in my blood. There it is. And so I encourage you to take a look at that and to review it. But would you take your Bibles and turn with me to Daniel chapter 10. This chapter is the introduction to the final vision. In the third year of Cyrus... King of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true. But the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. It's amazing to me to read there that the thing was true. True. There are people who look at this chapter and this vision, and they say that it's impossible for Daniel to have written it. You know why they say that? Because they refuse to accept that it is true, (laughs) that what is said right here in verse 1 is true. They refuse to accept that anyone could know the future before it happens. They refuse to accept that anyone could know the future before it happens, and so they absolutely deny Chapter 10, verse 1. But we accept chapter 10, verse 1 as truth, which is evidenced when we see the rest of it all fulfilled. Daniel tells us that he was mourning for three full weeks 21 days. Daniel was fasting, Daniel was praying, Daniel was mourning and it seemed that no answer came. Have you ever prayed long for something and it seemed that no answer came? That was the case here for Daniel. But did you know that the moment that Daniel began to pray, a messenger was sent to him? A messenger was sent to him. But it took 21 days for that messenger to to reach Daniel. We find that out because later that messenger tells Daniel so. Then after three weeks, Daniel has a vision. He has a vision of him standing on the banks of a river. We find here the name of the river, Hidekel, which is another name for the river, the The Tigris, which is a river that flows through the region of Babylon, those two great rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates. And Daniel finds himself on the bank of this river, and he has a vision of a man clothed in linen with a golden girdle. And this man tells Daniel that the moment that he began to pray that, that he was sent to him, but he says there was a problem the prince of Persia withstood me. Now you might be thinking, wait a minute, pastor. You said just a few minutes ago that the man clothed in linen was Jesus Christ, the son of God. And now you're telling me that the prince of Persia, who some people think might have been a man, but most likely was a demon, withstood Jesus? That can't be possible. Jesus is God. And you know what? I would agree with you. But yet, there's some other interesting things. Because then it tells us, this man clothed in linen says that Michael the angel came and helped me. And you might be saying, wait a minute again. Does Jesus need the help of angels? You know what? You're right. He doesn't need the help of angels. He can't be withstood by demons. But yet we find in the life of Jesus that Jesus actually was withstood by demons. The worst of demons satan himself and we also find that jesus talked of being ministered to by angels in fact in the very conflict that jesus had with satan in the wilderness when that 40 days of temptation and problem and trial that temptation concluded do you know what the historical record tells us that angels came and ministered to jesus which is absolutely amazing to think of that, that angels minister to Jesus, the Son of God. So we see here that Jesus allows himself to be withstood, and he allows himself to be helped by mere angels. I think this is significant to us because it helps us to understand that there's a battle going on unseen. Remember Ephesians chapter 6? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There is a battle. Daniel got to see a little glimpse of this. The prince of Persia, he doesn't sound very nice, and he wasn't. He's a problem. You see, we look at this here in Daniel, and we begin to understand things of even our world. Sometimes we see the enemies as these monstrous men. But if we look and understand Daniel better, we begin to realize that the monstrous men oftentimes have terrible demons working behind the scenes. And yet, in all of it, they're subject to the sovereignty of God. Absolutely amazing. But you know what? Daniel, in all of this, is terrified. I mean, he sees this vision of this man clothed in linen. Look at the descriptions here. He says in verse 5 Then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of His body also was like beryl, and his face as the appearance of lightning. And his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. Now there were a lot of people there with Daniel, but Daniel was the only one who saw the vision. And yet when this man appeared, even though Daniel was the only one to see him, these other men that were standing about, they all fled, they all ran, and they went and they hid themselves. And Daniel was left there alone to see this vision. And it says that there remained in him no strength. In fact, we find that he finds himself on the ground. He's overwhelmed by the presence of this man before him. His face was to the ground. But then it tells us in verse 10 that a hand reached out and touched him, set him up on his knees, on the palm of his hands, you see Daniel there, old, old man, likely in his 90s now, on his hands and knees. And look what is said to him in verse 11. O Daniel, O a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. Did you see what this man referred to Daniel as? What did he call him? Beloved. Not just beloved. Greatly beloved. You know, each one of us who have received the Lord Jesus Christ, it tells us we are accepted in the beloved. We become a part of God's family. We become greatly beloved. And so when you read this of Daniel, it's not just Daniel. It's you and me, too, as Christians who are greatly beloved. You know, this is important for us to to realize and believe. Because you see what it says next? It says, and when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Now, I don't know about you, But I've been in very few situations, but I've been in a few where I was so afraid that I trembled. Probably nothing like Daniel here. But in those times when we are afraid and we are trembling, do you know what we need to remember? Think about it. Look here at verse 11. In times when we are afraid and trembling, what do we need to remember? Hopi? That we are greatly beloved. That's right. When we are afraid, even when we are trembling, we need to remember that we are greatly be loved. Well, the history is given here that I've already given to you that the, about Michael and the prince of Persia and this battle that took place and all of this detail is given. And when it comes down through and the detail is given of the background, you might think, oh, boy, now I'm going to tremble even more. Maybe Daniel was again. Well, I shouldn't say maybe. Um, that's exactly the case for in verse 17. He says, there was no breath left in me. That's like saying it took his breath away. You ever had your breath taken away? Because you were scared? Well, what do you need to remember when your breath is taken away because you're scared? That you're greatly beloved. But you know what? I forget all the time. And I imagine maybe some of you do too. You know why? I think some of you do too is because I really admire Daniel. And Daniel seemed to have forgotten in just a few minutes. Because here, this man clothed in linen told him, O thou man greatly beloved. And it seems he forgot it because, in verse 19, it said again, O man greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. Are you troubled? Are you afraid? Sometimes we worry about the future, don't we? And it's kind of sad because really, as Americans, for the most part, we have it pretty good, don't we? There's not a lot to be really afraid of the future. Not really, especially comparatively to the rest of the world. What do we do when we're afraid? What would we do when we don't know what the future holds? Remember this, because I don't think this is recorded by Daniel just because Daniel found it helpful. I think it's recorded by Daniel so that we would find it helpful. So that when we are disturbed by the monsters of the world, we will remember that we are greatly beloved. We will remember that we have nothing to fear. And we will remember that there is peace with God. And we can have peace his peace, and we will remember that we can be strong because he is the one who gives us strength. Well, when this, Daniel had been reminded of this, do you see what it says there in verse 19? And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. And then this man clothed in linen says, I'm not done battling the prince of Persia. That battle's still going on. In fact, he says, I'm going to give you a glimpse of it in the real world. Well, the spirit world's just as real as the physical world, but then he goes in in chapter 11 and begins to give history. He starts off by telling Daniel about some events Daniel already knew, but he gives him a glimpse into the inside. How many of you ever Seen or been to in an inauguration of a president. I've seen it, right? You ever seen an inauguration of a president? Did you see God standing next to him? Did you? Look at this inauguration described in Daniel chapter 11, verse 1. Also I, in the first year of Darius the Mede, even I, stood to confirm and to strengthen him. Boy, does that not change our perspective. Now, you might be thinking, well, I don't know who Darius the Mede is, but he certainly had to be better than um put the name in. Certainly, God didn't stand there to confirm and strengthen <clears throat> I don't want to get political. Not my president. Certainly he didn't, or did he? You see, God is working in the midst and behind the scenes. This guy was no special guy. This guy was a little bit of a monster. You think that the presidents nowadays we have are sometimes disturbing. Not even close in the comparative scale to these kings. We refer to this chapter as the terror of the king. This one wasn't much better than others. And yet God says, I stood there to confirm and strengthen him. He makes that as a point because then he goes on. That's the history. And he begins to tell of the future. Of kings, some just as bad, some much worse than Darius the Mede. Who will rise up? who will reign, some of them with terror. We read of one king in verse 21 that says, in his estate shall stand up a vile person. Ew. speaks of covenants made, covenants broken, wars, political powers, moving and shifting. Again, I reference you to the, the document that Pastor Virgil put together that goes through this verse by verse and shows how it was literally fulfilled in history. Some of the events of history go yet future. But I'd like to focus on one for you just for a little bit because of the time of year it is. Remember, I talked about Hanukkah a little while ago. Where is that in here? Well, we find here in this, if we look at verse 31, it speaks and says, and arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. What is prophesied here was fulfilled during the days of Antiochus Epiphanes when he outlawed Judaism. He banned the law of Moses and all of the prophets and the Psalms. He sent his henchmen and his men throughout the nation hunting down every copy and destroying every copy they could find he himself marched right into the very sanctuary, the temple, and walked up to that golden altar, the altar of incense in the temple, carrying a pig. Now, some of you think that's no big deal. I enjoy pork. In fact, I had it for breakfast this morning. Not for the Jews. That was an unclean animal. They wouldn't even eat it, let alone sacrifice it. And he comes into the very temple of Jehovah, and he sacrifices a pig, pig's blood, swine's blood, flowing down the golden altar of incense. And then he sets up an idol of Zeus right there inside the temple. People who bore record of it say it looked a lot like him, the idol he made. Then he sent his henchmen Military forces throughout the land, hunting down any, any who claimed to believe in Jehovah. He came to one little town and he found a man named, well he didn't, but his henchmen, found a man named Matthias and his sons. They commanded that this man who was a Levite sacrifice a pig to an idol of Zeus. And Matthias refused. And they were going to kill Matthias when his four sons intervened. They killed the soldiers. And what we find here is a description of the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. They became strong like Hammer, the Maccabees, and they did exploits. And the temple, though it had been defiled, according to the prophecy, so many days later had been cleansed. Now, the story of the oil, that's a legend, But the point that's reality is that it was fulfillment of prophecy that the temple would be defiled and it was a fulfillment of prophecy that in so many days it would be cleansed and it was a fulfillment of prophecy that these men, these those who knew their God would be strong and do exploits. That is what Hanukkah is all about. Hanukkah is not about a legend of oil that was only enough for one day lasting eight days. Although that's part of the legend the real history of Hanukkah is that God knows the end from the beginning and that God said something would happen terrible and he made a promise that after so many days it would be resolved and it was to the day fulfilled here and we find that in the history here of Daniel. The celebration. Of Hanukkah, that's why it's called Hanukkah means the feast of dedication in that the temple was dedicated after it had been defiled. Prophecy in this all. But you know, as we continue in this prophecy in verse 36, there's a shift and a change. Remember we spoke of before the parenthesis, a gap of time? Here it is between verse 35 and 36, for then it jumps to a king that's yet future. Whom we know from the New Testament as, in the book of Revelation, particularly the Antichrist. Speaking of his covenant he will make with the nation of Israel, speaking of all what he will do. We don't have time this morning to go through it verse by verse, but it is worthy of the time. And then we find in chapter 12 a transition and a change when Michael reappears on the scene, that archangel. And Michael, that angel, He stands for the children of Daniel's people. And look at chapter 12, verse 1. And there shall be a time of trouble, trouble, there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to the same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Every one that shall be found written in the book. We refer to this time period as the tribulation. Also here from here, the time of Jacob's trouble a, trouble, a time of trouble that never was since they were a nation. This time period in the future will be a terrible, terrible time. But do you see here the significance of those who are written in the book? Do you know that God has a book? And it's not like the supposed fairy tale Santa Claus who has a book of the naughty and nice. This book is called the book of life. And all those who put their faith in God, their names are written in the book of life. And again, it's not a fairy tale book like Santa Claus's book. It's a real book. It's a real book that God has where he writes the names of those who trust in him. And even though in spite of all the trouble and the terror of this tribulation and this trouble you know that those people will be able to find peace and will be able to find hope knowing that their names are written in the book of life. And if that is true for a people who will be living in the future during a time that is said there was never a time like it before, a bad, trouble, terror. And if that fact could be a reality to those people in the future in the worst of all time, do you think it can be an encouragement to you and I in whatever we are facing to know that our names are written in the book of life? It sure can. It sure can. That's why it's recorded here for us, not just so that in the future when these people in this time of trouble read this, find encouragement, but for us, as we find ourselves in the smallest and greatest of troubles, can find hope in this reality, knowing that we'll be delivered too from this life, delivered into the presence of God. For look, we read verse 2, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. If anybody ever tells you that the resurrection wasn't taught in the Old Testament, it's not true. Here it is taught in the Old Testament. Those that sleep, those are dead in the dust of the earth. Dust, thou shalt return. These are dead people. And it's saying, those that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. And there's a resurrection not only to heaven and everlasting life, but look what it says. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. You see, we have all of this prophecy a lot of detail of history, all kinds of future events and past events. But then we also see this prophecy of a resurrection. You know, every one of us will be resurrected. Every one of us. The question is, will you be resurrected into everlasting life or into everlasting shame and contempt? Is your name in the book of life that's how you are resurrected to everlasting life. This is exciting. Jesus came to earth. We celebrate that at Christmas time, don't we? He lived a perfect and sinless life and then he gave his life for us. He showed us love. For whosoever believeth in him should not perish the everlasting shame and contempt, but have everlasting life believing in jesus is how your name is written in the book of life believing in jesus is how you are saved from being resurrected to everlasting shame and contempt to being resurrected to everlasting life and that is good news that's good news the angel said to the shepherds good tidings we bring glad tidings of great joy we celebrate at Christmas glad tidings of great joy. Well, what do we do with this glad tidings of great joy? Look at verse 3. And they that be wise. Do you want to be wise? I want to be wise. Amen. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. Describing of those who are resurrected, everlasting life, who are wise. And look what also they will do. They shall turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Are we sharing the good tidings of great joy with people? Are we sharing it so that they can turn to Jesus, turn to righteousness? Now, there is a whole lot more detail to these prophecies, and Daniel sure did want to know it, but at this point in the vision, it's interrupted. Daniel, you, you've got what you need. You've got what you need. Shut up the book. Seal the prophecy. As time goes by, other prophets arise. The greatest prophet, Jesus, in Matthew 24, 25, adds on to details, and we learn more about this prophecy. And then the apostle John, in 80, 90, approximately, also gives to us further details of this prophecy. And we look to that day, when it shall be fulfilled. And look then with me at verse 13 of chapter 12, the last verse. But go thou thy way, Daniel, Daniel, go thou thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of days. Shortly after this, Daniel died. His rest. But it says that he will stand in his lot. What's Daniel's lot? You know what it is? He's going to rest, he's going to sleep in the dust of the earth. That's where he's at right now. But the promise is made to him you will stand in thy lot. What's his lot? when he will be raised, awakened to everlasting life. Daniel trusted in God. What's your lot? What's your lot? Is your lot everlasting life, or is your lot everlasting contempt? The lake of fire. Daniel had hope in his God, and even in death. He had hope. You might think of all these kings, the most dreadful of them all is death. You are kind of right. But Jesus has won the victory over death. He is victorious over death. When he died and rose again, he laid down his life and he took it again. And when we believe in him, our lot is in him. Our lot is in him. Jesus who is life. Believe on him. Trust in him. Hope in him. No matter how bad things get, remember that as a Christian, as a believer, you are accepted in the beloved. You are his greatly beloved. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this final vision you gave to Daniel. May it encourage us and challenge us. May we be not ashamed, but study to understand your word. And most of all, Lord, I pray that you will help us to apply it, live it, that we might be encouraged by what was given to Daniel to encourage him, and that we might hope in you. You, our lot. You, the one in whom is our inheritance. You, in whose life we are hid. We hope and rest and trust and glory in you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.